lyrically yeah. Can none of y'all mirror me back? Yeah, hear me rap, it's like hand G rapping his prime I'm young H.O. Raps great for dead Back to take over the globe, now break bread I'm in Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very, very special episode of Miami Nice. I am one half of your partnership. I am driving the ambulance right now, and my co-host, the legendary Katie Walsh, is hanging outside of a window, firing an automatic weapon with a helo 10 feet away from her, buzzing. Michael Bay's on the freaking blowhorn, and he's shouting at her, drive, Blake, drive, 55 Drive, drive, drive. And she's firing blanks at a helicopter. Welcome to Miami Nice Does Ambulance. Katie Walsh, I mean, it was a, it was fated after our legendary episode, the, the now law episode of uh, One Heat Minute discussing Den of Thieves. It, feel, it, you know, it feels so appropriate that Miami Nice I know. dips our toe into Michael Bay's latest awesome muscular over the top, and I think you even called it Gonzo serving of Bayhem. That is ambulance. What a damn treat! You're back from a vacation. One of the first things you did was walk into a cinema and watch Ambulance. Let's talk about Ambulance I'm sorry that together. This. I just wanted things to be the way they used to be. That's my brother, Will. I could use some help. My wife needs this surgery. This is real life. How's that right? You put your life down on the line for this country? You leave your family, your home? How much do you need? 231. How about more? 32 million. And I need an extra man. I came to you for a loan. Look, have I ever gotten you anything that I couldn't get you out of? It's time for you to do something for your family. What can I do you for, officer? We're just doing a transfer in the back. I'll let uh, you in in 20 minutes. Uh, if I could just get it done real quick, because I'm on the clock, promise not to rob the place. Oh. <laughs> Seriously, because that would be bad for my job. <laughs> I promise. All right, okay. All right, all okay, right come all on. Right. <laughs> okay. Let's go, D. You are all going to have the greatest story to tell at dinner tonight. Get out! Don't shoot a cop! Lock everything down. Nothing gets out. All the leaves are brown. Stop! Get out! Oh. The sky is gray. What do you want? I'm just gonna borrow it. I got a cop shot. I gotta get him to the hospital. I'm gonna need you to help us. Why don't you help us? We're doing hostages now. We're not crashing into this ambulance. We got a brother cop on board. Do you have EMT experience? Combat three eyes. You're a soldier? Yeah. We are trying to save you. One, two, three. Hey! Don't you move! You think you're so tough with that gun? No, Daddy, relax! I gotta get back to my wife and my son. Does your wife know you're up, Banks? We're not the bad guys. We're just the guys trying to get home. We don't get to walk off into the sunset! Danny, everybody knows how dangerous you are. Do you? You get your helos out of here now! I'm gonna get you back home, little brother. I'm gonna get everybody home. 
Oh my God. I mean, I, yeah, I literally got off a 13 hour plane ride and <laughs> grabbed a cold brew and hopped over to my local theater <laughs> in Highland Park, Los Angeles to see ambulance, which I keep wanting to say ambulance because <laughs> it's like the LA. <laughs> Some, um, someone so pointed out say, to me that someone pointed out to me that the two Z's on Brazzers have the same uh, Photoshop effect as LA the and font, ambulance. Right? Yes, the I saw font. that on Twitter. Shout out to all of our Brazzers uh, <laughs> subscribers. <laughs> Shout out to all of our um, sex positive friends. Yeah, we love you. We love you here at Miami Nice. We love you. This is a podcast Thank for you. For you. Pointing it out. <laughs> yes, it is. It's the podcast for pervs. Um, but um, yeah, uh, friggin' I've, I've, I've been a Michael Bay apologist my entire life. Yeah. And this is why I have hung in there. This yes. is why. Yeah, Ambulance is our crowning glory where we get to say, you guys get it. It's it's good. It's yes. it's great. It's Bayhem and we love it. And please stop maligning the cinema of Michael Bay. I, look, our friend friend of this show, friend of all things One Hit Minute Productions, our, uh, the great Connor O'Donnell tweeted the other day, I saw Ambulance and the director of The Rock and Bad Boys made this movie, not the director of Transformers. And I think in some ways that's a, like a, a little bit of a misnomer, but I love exactly what Connor is trying to say, which is that like, this is anchored in a reality. It's his most explicit movie about class, about race, about militarization of the police. It doesn't have any of that kind of, I mean, the genre ephemera is that it's a heist movie and heist movies are so wonderful because um, the motivations of why you're doing the heist tie in so beautifully. So you have to be pretty explicit about what the motivations are. They have to have some stakes, whether it's multiple people have got different stakes or all those sorts of things. You know, the very best heist movies, um, even contemporary great heist movies like Inside Man or Logan Lucky, the characters have such great motivations. You know, for Inside Man, it's 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 not only making themselves rich, but it's making themselves rich off of the greed and exploitation of moneyed, wealthy uh, people who uh, exploited uh, the extermination of the Jews in World War II and the Holocaust. And then in like Logan Lucky, it's about, you know, it's about defying a family curse and, 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 and making good with your life with, uh, doing bad things. And so with ambulance, I don't even think any of that stuff is, as is, is important. It's, but I just, I love, this was such a kinetic ride for me. I had a blast. I didn't get to watch it in a theater with real people. I watched it with other critics, which, and, and it was a very small screening. So, um, I was the one who was howling with laughter and then cackling and having a great old time. And there wasn't as much of that. So it was a bit, a bit annoying, but I, I watching this movie right from the outset, I was just like, I love the texture. I love the look. It's, I love the, the insanity of these, uh, you know, drone footage shots that are like no other drones you've ever seen. I think in Australian independent cinema, um, I've heard critics talk about how, a, you know, a movie's cheap because it's got 20 drone shots and they're all very still and everything's, mm -hmm. quite, you know, it's, it's got no purpose to it, but Michael Bay turns, you know, drones into F-18 fighter jets and flies <laughs> them directly at cars that are colliding <laughs> with one another. The police truly, the militarization of the police is one of the scariest things I've ever seen. If you do direct comparison with the police who are waiting outside for Neil McCauley and his crew in heat and the guys who find our bank robbers, Jack Gyllenhaal and Yaya, uh, Yaya um, and his team coming out of that bank, they could not be further apart. They are, you mm -hmm. know, they are completely tactically overrun. 
great cast. Um, I, I just had such a blast with this movie, right from top to bottom. It does have some, you know, it does have some stretches of the imagination and some contrivances and whatever. But that's exactly how I feel about the contrivances at this point with the movie. Like whatever. Like what a fucking ride. How fun oh, it, was this thing? It's, it's such a fun ride, and. I was also, I was, I mean, it was a, I was in my local theater, but it was a screening before noon. (laughs) I I had my coffee and I was cackling my ass off. It was so fun. Um, And then slowly the, uh, the rest of the people in the theater started, you know, also joining in with me. And it was really fun because I live on the east side of LA. So there were definitely some fun references. Like they referenced Boyle Heights and like the guys in front of me were like, Boyle Heights, you know, (laughs) they were getting into it. So it was, it was fun. Um, to to see it with you know at least a few other diehard Michael Bay fans there was some applause at the end I was like yes we need this so you know I always think Michael Bay like as a director he I think he understands machines better than human beings yeah um which I'm totally fine with like I actually enjoy the first Transformers movie with like how fetishistic the the machines are um and the sounds and the texture of it but um and even, like, even I mean, parts of the other two, so the first trilogy, you know, he, that halo jump into Chicago in the third one is outstanding. Mm-hmm. Like it's absolutely outstanding. And, 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 and I, I remember even the trailer for dark of the moon, like the trailer is such a, like a great short film in and of itself of like, you know, man landing on the moon and disturbing a transformer. Right. Like it's the coolest shit. Cause it's like, even though the every one of his subsequent Transformers movies, like retcons how far back in the past <laughs> Transformers yeah. have been in the world, which is like one of its like funny tropes that it does. And it's almost laughable by the last one where it's like Merlin is a freaking Transformer or whatever. I don't even remember that. Movie, <laughs> right. To be honest. But, 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 but I really like, I remember that scene of like just him then fetishizing, you know, the, the American space program and then like infusing this technological sci-fi element. And I think he just like, as, as a pure visual filmmaker, he's amazing, but incredible. I, incredible. I, I, I also have a real soft spot for 13 hours. We were just talking offline cause you haven't had a chance to see it yet. I saw 13 hours a while back and I just said that, you know, it's a much smaller, um, it's a much smaller scale kind of thing, but it definitely tonally shares the most similarity to something like Black Hawk Down. Like it feels like, People are just there to survive. It stops being about ideological war. It stops being about that, even though it's set in that scenario, but it stops being about ideology and starts being about like, why are we even here? And I think good war movies, to their credit, often ponder that question, either explicitly or indirectly, why are we here? And and 13 Hours is just like, how can we survive so that we can be alive at the end of this and never mm-hmm. ever do this again? And, and right. his evolution and, and for fans of Miami Nice, Go back and listen to our Vice Victus episode. Vice is such an amazing, uh, you know, proponent and, and, and expert on the American military after being a serviceman himself. Thank you, Vice, for mm-hmm. your service internationally. But he's a guy who, like, just looks at the, the evolution of Michael Bay's um, portrayals of the military in his movies, even through the Transformers movies, and talks about how, you know, in- incredibly, you know, uh, pragmatic and maybe a little bit, like, satirical he is like as far as like look at what we've done to our military our idea of ourselves so yeah i really i i've i've been a fan of bay and i i feel like as a filmmaker even six underground so like if you watch the money that they spent to make six underground and then you watch something like red notice they don't even look like one looks like it was made in a high school and the other one looks like <laughs> a movie 
right? And right, uh, right. Six Underground, there are cars exploding and pools on huge high rises getting shot to pieces, and you know, and and a nun. Oh, sorry, and a, and a woman getting hit slow motion in the face by a pigeon. Like this is a real <laughs> movie, not not every not. Michael Bay movie looks like a movie. Yes, yes, and and that's something that we actually have to celebrate these days. Yes, it's devastating that it's it's not the case. But look, it was so ambulance. Um, for those of you who haven't seen it yet, basically what happens? Danny Sharp and Will Sharp. Danny is Jake Gyllenhaal. Yahya Abdul-Mateen II is Will, his ad adopted brother. Will's an ex-serviceman. His wife is suffering from an illness and um, he's trying to work out with insurance a way that she can get this experimental surgery. She can't. He goes and sees his brother, Danny, who's a rapscallion. Their father was a former bank robber, um, um, a, a, an infamous LA bank robber, a real ruthless bastard. And he sort of moved himself away from his adopted family because of all of the mess of the family. And he goes to his brother, Danny, Jake Gyllenhaal, and sort of going for a loan can i borrow a couple hundred grand i'll work for you i'll do whatever and he gets roped into a heist and he is basically hey you're a good driver you used to drive when you're overseas in the military i need a driver today come along and do it and he gets dragged into this absolutely haphazard chaotic instantly seeming like it's going to fail heist like right from the minute that it starts and at the point of their escape they have to um they have to uh, uh, hijack an ambulance that's got Isaac Gonzalez's uh, Cam Thompson in there, who is a medic who's trying to save a police officer who's been shot in the middle of their preliminary heist. Um, and she's trying to keep that guy alive while they're trying to, you know, find a way through the convoys and the swarms <laughs> of LA helicopters and police and sniper fire and all those things um, to, to survive, even though the cops are basically not storming this because they've got a... A, you know, a public servant in, in Cam Thompson and a police officer in this van. It's the only reason that they're alive. And so it is right. then there's a massive topographical, topographically accurate stalking through LA of them like formulating plans, making phone calls, the police trying to, you know, uh, to, to trying to pressure them to make a mistake. And it's just a blast. And it, it does get more and more ludicrous as the, the thing goes on. But Holy shit, I just was so thrilled by this movie all over the park. I loved Ken, uh, Kira O'Donnell. He plays an FBI agent who like knows Jake Gyllenhaal and we meet him when he's in couples therapy with his boyfriend. And <laughs> yeah. It's just a weird, like total like stretches. Garrett Dillahunt plays, uh, you know, the, the Vincent Hanna, Al Pacino, Captain Monroe guy who rolls up just wearing like uh, um, college football uh, paraphernalia. Go and Trojans, has, go Trojans, my alma mater, <laughs> the USC. <laughs> the USC. Hat and sweatshirt, yes. <laughs> and as a giant bull mastiff dog in a tiny car, and it's just all this hilarious ephemera. Weird character moments. And like, yeah, these little things like the tiny car that's just not explained. And there's, you know, we kind of know why he has his dog with him, but then, you know, because he's on his way to the dog park and gets roped into this thing. But like, all, I mean, there were just so many like weird, funny things, like just the amount of times that like the ambulance would just like hit like a box of a cardboard box of, of <laughs> fruit and vegetables or something, you know, it's just like, there's so much texture and, and, um, stuff in the frame and things to look at. And, you know, th at one point they go speeding through like a quinceanera warehouse and there's like dresses hanging off the ambulance and stuff. I mean, that's the kind of stuff like that someone like Michael Bay will say, let's put this in there. Let's like, fill the frame with stuff that like makes this a real place that makes this a real journey that makes this um you know have some some life to it yeah you can't fake 
the amount of chaos that he creates. You can't fake, like, you know, even like you just said, like every shot or say he gets that one great shot, you just know that when he blasts that ambulance through somewhere, they have to orchestrate it. They have to, they have to have all the set dresses, the production designers, all their safety people. They maybe have to have a stunt driver or if it's Yaya, cause they're trying to get a shot inside the ambulance. They've got to make sure all the glass and everything's reinforced so they can do it. They've got to set cameramen up. They've got to go, okay, ready. Yep, yep, let's go. And then they've got to smash through something. And if it doesn't mm -hmm. work exactly as they envisage it, they've got to stop. They've got to right. patch it all up. They've got to put it all back and they go three, two, one, go. And they've got to go again. They've got to smash through it. And so it's that old fashioned kind of filmmaking, even though, you know, um, even though it was absolutely battling through the time of COVID when the movie was shot, like it was 39 days, averaging 129 shots a day, 125 That's shots insane. a day. Insane. And, and they did this. It has, it has as many helicopters as apocalypse now, which is just crazy. It's, <laughs> it's, it, it maps the entire topography of LA, which is also another imposition. It has a genuinely massive bank house in the financial district, which they did occupy those buildings. They did blow stuff up. They did have people there with, you know, fake automatic weapons firing them. Actually, most of them professionals, as um, as you guys are going to learn very shortly with the, a very special guest in the middle of the podcast, one Michael Bay himself. Um, devastated because Katie was on vacation not to have her with me in this interview, but I introduced him um, saying how much we talked about him. So I felt it was so essential that you guys get to hear from him. But yeah, I, I was just, I was like, this is a movie. This is the kind of, I mean, I love heist movies unabashedly, all sorts, top to bottom, slow moving heist, you know, fast, <laughs> intricate, doesn't matter, action packed. And so this movie, of course, was like, I am the 100% target audience. And so then watching it come off and watching Jake Gyllenhaal just be going off his rocket. And oh my God. I, Unhinged Gyllenhaal is one of the finest things in cinema. I mean, this would be a great twofer. I mean, I kept thinking like how, how like this could be programmed with so many movies. It could be programmed with heat, with den of thieves, with collateral, collateral. Yep. with Nightcrawler, Nightcrawler, which is a more, another unhinged Jake Gyllenhaal driving and around LA. LA. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, it just like, it just would work so well in a programming double feature, which I just couldn't stop thinking also, about. Also a triple feature of, if you want the three biggest unhinged Gyllenhaals, you've got to go like, uh, you, you've got to go, what was the Bong Joon-ho movie? I forgot the Oak name ja. of it. Okja. you got to go Okja and you've got to go yeah. Nightcrawler and then you've got to go this. And the funniest <laughs> thing is all of those guys, like the, the Dan Gilroy's and, and the Bong Joon-ho, they're very like centered. But what I love about this extreme is like Jake Gyllenhaal's only doing about three quarters of the energy of Michael Bay. So you just know that you just know that Michael Bay's energy is the most energy that anyone is giving to this movie. Um, and so, yeah, I, uh, yeah, he, Jake had to have been feeding off of, of Michael Bay's vibe because he's just like on another level. So good. And I was going to say per the heist movie thing, like, one thing I love about like genre is the way that you can play with it. So like certain vampire movies are always going to, you know, kind of focus on different aspects of, of a vampire movie or a vampirism. And in this heist movie, the heist is just the setup to get to the escape, the, the getaway, the getaway car. It's, it's like the heist doesn't really matter that much. Who are they stealing from? We don't really know. Is there, do we need to see all the setup and the guys come together? It happens in about 30 seconds. You know, we understand very quickly why 
um, Will decides to join the heist. And it's like, it's set up in the first 10 minutes of the movie and then it's just getaway car. It's getaway. And it, it's like, I love that you can, the, the genre is this like pliable enough to, you know, I mean, obviously it's very pliable, but that you can kind of just say, okay, we're just going to focus on this little thing. We're just going to focus on this element. You know, other heist movies will be, here's the planning, here's the setup, here's the team, here's the guys. And that's fun too, but this is a little spin on it. Yeah, a, a massive spin. I love what you said that. Like it tell it like gets into the microscopic level of like we're going to blow this up. We're going to take we're going to we're going to blow this segment of it up and do absolutely every chaotic thing that we can do. Um and it's also quite gruesome. Like it's harrowingly oh, gruesome God. at times, you know, like especially the first there's a first moment where Isaac Gonzalez's character is introduced as like one of the best paramedics in the city and there's a poor little girl who gets skewered in a car accident and that was one of the most disturbing scenes I think I've ever seen in a movie. Like I was like, "Oh my God." Like maybe I know. I was like, "I cannot believe they opened." They opened the movie with this <laughs> with brutality. A tiny child being impaled by a fence. Insane. It's like unreal. And by you, the way, spoilers. Spoilers. For this movie. No, but it's but it's tiny. <laughs> but then what happens later is you then realize they have they've kind of like that baptism of fire is leading you to a massive set piece in this movie of I really wanna that's my favorite scene in this movie. I, can crazy. we talk about it? Yeah, okay. Right now, <laughs> if you spoilers. don't want to hear this, spoilers. I don't think it spoils anything, but I think it. Okay. I think it's just. It, I think it just talks about what's happening. There's a police officer in the car. Um, he's uh, he's played by Jackson White. His name's Officer Zach. He has been shot, um, in the fracas to escape. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, Danny and Will's team, Yaya and Jake's team, and he's stabilized for a time in the back of this paramedic. But the whole point of being a paramedic is you just stabilize for, I think it's 12 to 15 minutes or something around that before right. you get them to a hospital. And so if he's worse injured than, you know, 12 to 15 minutes of stabilizing can do, then you get to real surgeons who can go in and, and, and do emergency surgery to fix him. So what happens is that, that he doesn't get taken to a hospital. He gets driven around LA for hours. So his condition worsens and they literally But have she to... also realizes that he's been shot in another place. Yes. yes. He's, he's shot. He's, she believes that it's just like it's gone in, but she doesn't realize there's an exit wound. And when she finds that all hell breaks loose. Yes. And so then they literally have to go in and dig a bullet out. And it's not digging a bullet out as you've seen in many movies, tweezers. You know, there's a great scene in Ronan where they do it. There's many great like DIY surgery scenes. You've got to cut here, pull this out. A great one in Master and Commander with a like a... They, know, those scenes pale in comparison to this. This scene gets as close to uh, the Prometheus um, uh, self-abortion <laughs> as you could ever see in a right. movie. It's, it's basically that they have to go in and stop one of his arteries and he's stop his spleen from exploding and, and breaking and then save some of his arteries around there because if his spleen explodes then the, all hell's going to break loose and we literally see people's hands inside we see right. a hair clip used to to cinch i need up. to talk about the hair clip i'm <laughs> sorry go. i really Please need go. to unpack the hair clip um well first of all also i love that the, that they facetime in three doctors two of whom are on a golf course, golf course. again not explained just part of the culture and it works yes part of the the world that we're in and so it's this like scene where these these trauma surgeons are talking her through this um this diy surgery in the back of a you know 60 mile per hour ambulance and um she's 
we've established the hair clip. It's like a claw clip that she sort of, and of course, as a person of long hair, I was like, okay, let's see. <laughs> so first of all, in the opening scene, they establish the hair clip. And I'm like, I don't think a, a, an air, a paramedic would just be like hastily clipping back her hair, but whatever, we'll go with it. Then you see it again very briefly. The clip is clipped on top of a ponytail, which is not something that you would do. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> this is not working. Listen, then, ba listen, Bay, you might have hundreds <laughs> of real cops and snipers in this movie, the, but you didn't consult a single woman about that hair clip. <laughs> the physics of the hair clip do not add up. Then they take the hair clip and they clip it on to his, a you know, some type of artery to like, you know, prevent the bleeding or whatever from happening. And they clip it on vertically. But if you know these kinds of claw clips, it's like a hole. There's, it wouldn't clamp. <laughs> It just wouldn't, if you did it vertically, it wouldn't clamp. You'd have to clamp it horizontally. So they like get it on there. And I'm like, that's doing nothing, you guys. Well, <laughs> Whatever. I'm fine with suspending disbelief about the hair clip, but I was like, this isn't working. And you know what, you know, what's great about a Michael Bay movie is I was like, yeah, totally. Like let's hair clip. Like let's hair clip. Right. Like I just saw no. someone's spleen explode in a character's <laughs> face. And I'm like. All I want is this to be ever over. So can someone just use anything? I don't want to see a spleen explode on people's faces. Surprisingly, get your hands right. out of that man's stomach. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's, it's, right. it's, it's, it's fantastic. So as promised, mm -hmm. we are going to blissfully transition this effusive gush about ambulance because as you can hear katie and i are both massive fans if you get a chance to see it whether you're in the states whether you're in oz um if you are able to get out see it on a big screen with a bunch of people it's super fun if you've liked michael bay's stuff if you like heist movies there is something in here for you even if you're not like so maximalist about it there's something in here for you definitely um so check that out but here's an utterly delightful interview i i smile thinking about it i smiled during it i couldn't wait to share it with katie i couldn't wait to share it with my wife i've now shared it with all of you guys if you want to see the whole interview but if you want to listen to the great michael bay uh and him being so himself that it's just unbelievable um have a listen now to me talk to michael bay about ambulance Michael, it's so awesome that you're in Magic Hour for me right no, now. I by the looks of things. Use the Magic Hour. You got Magic Hour. Hang on, I'm readjusting. I got to my monitor. I like to look at myself when I'm shooting myself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here by myself. You're at my house in Miami. Okay. So uh, look, I'm giving myself the golden light right there, huh? Look at that. Huh? Stunning. Stunning. That's pro shit. <laughs> well. Uh, Firstly, I'm Blake Howard. Uh, we do a podcast, a series called One Heat Minute Productions. We started out talking about heat. And we've in, in, inadvertently in our recent show, we actually do a show called Miami Nice about Miami Vice, the film. We've been talking a lot about you. Because really? 
your films are in feel like they're in a direct dialogue with everything. That's me. Feel yeah, like they're in a direct. They feel like they're in a direct dialogue with everything that you do in action filmmaking. So it's an honor to talk to you for starters. Um, oh, I love. Well, thank you, thank you. I loved ambulance. Ambulance rocked. It felt like, it felt like that great moment in Heat where Dennis Haysbert gets asked by Robert De Niro, "You've got to make a choice right here and now. Come and drive for me in this heist." Except stretched out for two hours, right. piled on like a swarm. Yep. I just want to talk to you about. What were the things that inspired you to really take this and tackle it? Because uh, I feel like it's it's definitely in your wheelhouse, this kind of action cinema, but this particular moral quandary was something that really resonated for me. And I was wondering if that's if yeah, that was I, the I, genesis I, for you. You know, it's interesting. I, I just got through my European tour and then a lot of reporters are saying, you know, you used to do these pro-American movies, rah, rah. And, uh, you know, when you look at pain and gain, it's the narcissism. It's kind of going for the American dream in all the wrong ways. And then you look at 13 hours. It's the uh, it's it's really shows a failed America. They're, they're, they're not they're not there to help you. And they're not going to go behind enemy lines. They say it, but they don't really mean it. Um, uh, and this one is like it's it, 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 the luster has come off America. And yes. uh uh, this is where you're weirdly sympathizing with the criminals. Um, you, you've got a military guy that was screwed over and he's trying to save his wife. He must get her surgery and insurance has said, no, that's a life, life saving uh, surgery. So there is a lot of moral quandary, but, and Aza, she's, she's manipulating. She's, she's a paramedic as a hostage taker. She's trying to save a guy's life as she's got a gun on her head. Um, and she has to manipulate the whole situation and she starts to care for one of the, the uh, uh, criminals. And she's, uh, it was a very interesting role, feeling vulnerable, but also, also tough. Yes. Uh, and I like doing this all in a little box, you know? It's, <laughs> yeah. It's like a, a, a DOS boat. And I wanted to do something <laughs> that was all about tension. I've done enough action to last me a lifetime, but uh, the tension was what I really wanted to focus on. I think it's a really like great tonal achievement because I think you said it in so many movies, you, you know, it's a great balance to strike where you're kind of with the crooks and you're also with the good guys and balancing that. But one of the things that struck me right off was like the militarization of the police is scary. And like those opening heist scenes that you do are some of the most frightening I think I've ever seen you because when you come out in a heist movie and the police are there, it's like, Oh, usually the tactical advantage is with your bad guys, with your crooks. And so if you're going with the cops, it's like they're always outnumbered or outmatched. And just right from the get-go, when you see this tactical advantage, I was just like, whoa. And then you manage to modulate that tone between those characters for the rest of the flick. And I was just like, there is a great dialogue here and it's a balancing act. And even though you're doing it inside this little box and outside, I was just like, wow, this is really, I was wondered if that was part of your intent. Cause I felt well, it. Here's the thing. Rock. I always like, remember I'm the first person to ever work with United States seals in the rock. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that's where I really learned. Wow. When I said, how would you take, uh, when you break into the rock, what would you do? You're in the cistern, it's water thing, they come up. And I said, show me what you do. And they had these black stripes on their face. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. Makeup didn't do it. They did it. This is what we do. Three guys come up with guns pointed, deadly sign. And I'm like, that is cool. I am shooting <laughs> that. And uh, you couldn't, you can't have an actor do that. You, it's only people that do this for a living. Yes. And I was fortunate enough during the pandemic I had 50 real uh, officers in this movie. So basically every cop you're seeing, every SWAT, sniper, 
the, the undercover guys, there's a few actors mixed in, but they're all real. So I got real tactical stuff and this is how it goes down. I mean, you know, I had a young producer. He said, I'll just get, get some squat extras. And I'm like, you know how long it takes to make them look real? And I go to the, I go to the squat team, the LA squat team. I'm like, all right, show me how you take the ambulance when this happens. And they're like, all right, ready, go. Boom, 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 boom. I'm like, okay, let's roll. Because it's just, <laughs> it's bro shit. <laughs> you know? Well, look, I know you said Dust Boots a huge influence on this one. Um, and, and I, but what I kind of loved is this movie has the most direct dialogue with your own stuff. Like there's something so rad about someone quoting the rock to a character in this movie. And I thought that is you, you might be having fun with the explosions and the technical, but you were having a ball in that moment. Surely that was super fun. It was, I was, I, Sean had passed away. Sean was a huge, Sean Connery was a huge uh, influence in my life. He was a director, eater, killer. All right. But he, he with me sort of took me under his wing, but he was a tough love guy. He never told yes, me he likes yes. him, but I could just see him a little wry smile again. Okay. Um, and he had passed away. And I'm like, I always hear that these kids quote my movies and they can quote them better than I can. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, so we put some of this stuff in. I think it's funny. I, we were going to make fun of Dwayne Johnson. I'm friends with him. And, uh, uh, you know, some of the younger generation doesn't know The Rock, uh, which is one of the <laughs> old-fashioned uh, action movies that still stands the test of time. Uh, anyway, so, yes, I was having fun. It it, uh, it was a fun movie in that it's very fastly shot, 38 days. And, yeah. um, uh, you know, I'm right there with the camera. We're doing 120 shots a day. Normal movie shoots about 25 a day. So, um, but that's, it's called the Bayhem kind of method. I mean, I did not invent that word. I'm not quoting my name, but, <laughs> but my crew uses, okay, this is Bayhem. I want to experience Bayhem. Actors will say it to me. I want to experience this Bayhem. And I'm like, that just sounds so lame, but I think they learned it in a film dictionary because literally there's a term in the film dictionary, Bayhem. <laughs> Well, that, um, that's what I wanted to say is your films are so orchestrated, even though like you, you have to have an amazing discipline to get that many shots off. But one of the coolest stories I've heard in the research so far is, you know, that amazing iconic LA river shot, which is now like the money shot of a couple of the trailers of the film with Jake hanging out of the window and the helicopter swarming and get those yeah. healers out of here. Right. It was like Jake was like, we lost another shot that day. And Michael was like, I got 10 minutes in the LA river. <laughs> I've got these healers here. Like, let's go. And you guys orchestrated that shot. And I, I just wondered, like, that's a great misnomer about your career, I guess, in the orchestration is that you don't have this improvisational kind of ability. But I, I think that I want to talk to you about that. Like, how do you, how do you have the confidence now? Is it just experience that you go, all right, I'm just going to go for it. Here's an opportunity. I've got to strike while the iron's hot. That's a hundred percent misnomer uh, about not orchestrating. Cause, uh, I am a conductor out there. Um, yes. I work with some of the best people in the stunt world. I do, I, I, I design my own stunts. Um, but I am, I am, I, I, that is my skill as a director and a general out there. You're there, you're there, you're there, you're there. Do, 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 you know? Yes. Um, I'm very, I, I kind of AD my own movies. I use yes. my voice a lot because it, when people listen on the radio, it turns into white noise. And when you hear your voice and everyone's hearing you and it's safety issues, you know, you got to be really serious. And, but I'm amazed, I'm able to accomplish a lot and you get real stuff. And like Jake has never had a helicopter pass him, but it's one of the best helicopter pilots in the world. And like Jake, he's going to come about 10 feet from you. 
All right. <laughs> Yaya, I don't know if you can say this, but Yaya's driving the ambulance. Two helikilos are right on his ass. I mean, they were right <laughs> next to him. And he goes, Mike, this is the craziest shit I've ever done. Just keep driving, Yaya. Keep your eyes straight. Keep your eyes. And, you know, that was a scene that I wrote in my house, like, you know, and we shot it in like two hours. Um, wow. And you can't do that if you're not an orchestrator. Yes. Yeah. I, I suppose that's what, that's the balance, right? You, you strike the orchestration. So if the, there is something that happens, you can, you can change a shot. You can do what you need to do. That's amazing. Um, I, I wanted to ask, you know, I, I think there is also, we talked about misnomers. I think there is a misnomer because I think you're, if there's anything that your entire career, your body of work does is in direct dialogue with like concepts of America. And I think the military has been a huge theme all the way up um, to 13 days, uh, 13 hours rather. Yeah, yeah. And, but that's what I loved about this is where it feels almost like this is domestic warfare. Like this is newfound domestic warfare that you're covering in LA. And I wondered like, what was it about LA that brought you back? What was it about the city? What was it about the landscape that made you anchor this movie here? Well, uh, like I, I grew up in LA. It, it was beautiful. It still has a lot of shine and sheen, but it's got a seedy side and under, an, an, an underbelly. Yes. Um, and I had not shot there in about 10 years. Uh, I live mostly in Miami and uh, I, I, I had not seen an LA movie. I like a, a kick-ass use in LA um, in a while and it was kind of like romantic to me growing up as a film director and seeing some of those to live and die in LA or heat or um, you know this one literally it is accurate the streets are on and where they're going and it's completely accurate so um, uh, but wait what was the question again why did I, <laughs> no I, I yeah why, why was it like why was it there but if it's that romance you wanted to do a kick-ass movie I think that's uh, yeah. that's that's more than enough I want to talk to you about one actor who I think has is having the absolute most fun and it's not Jake Gyllenhaal in this movie Garrett Dillahunt now he is having some of the most fun in the movie and obviously you guys are battling through COVID and I want to say that the movie doesn't look like a COVID movie at all. It feels like a movie right. that was shot pre-COVID times. But right. tell me about how much fun because he's he feels like a Michael Bay guy. Like as soon as I saw him on oh. Instagram, I'm like, oh man, I am I'm in for Bay with Garrett Dillahunt. I'm going to tell Let's you go. the first, this is the first <laughs> shot with, with Garrett. Uh, he, it's, it's literally... Thank God I've been through so many wars as a director. Just, I mean, just shooting so much and just having the skill of like when you are screwed and mother nature is dropping uh, the sunball. And I literally was never coming back to this banks uh, scenario where it's blocked up. The, the city said, you can't get it ever again. This is it. I had, I had literally 19 minutes left and I had a 220 pound Mastiff dog, <laughs> dog car. and I had to shove him in the car and he's sticking his head out. He's like, he's like, Mike, what the fuck? I can't fit in this car. He's 217 pounds. He's huge. All right. And Garrett's like, I had to, I had to set up all the cops. I go to my DP. We are so screwed, dude. We are, we are fucked. I don't know. You have all this. Okay. I said, just grab a camera. We got to shoot. And Garrett goes, we got a rehearsal. I said, no, dude, you don't. We got to start now. All right. And you've got real cops. They're not actors. The guys you're talking to, there's a couple actors. The rest are all real cops. So you better go. <laughs> And, uh, but he is, he's a fantastic actor and he's very grounded. Um, he's very real. 
but yes. he is if you say my guy yeah yeah we want to he's a guy he's one of your he's one of yours he feels like one yeah. of yours look michael i've been asked to wrap this has been such a treat to talk to you congratulations on the flick i had a great time and getting you in magic hour even better no, I know. Now it's going. Now it's, now it's gone. The sun ball went down. They beat us. All right. Take it easy, man. Thank you so much. All right, we're back. Michael Bay. What a treat. What a treat. What a treat. He's so himself. Like, he's everything you want from Michael Bay and more. He, from the moment I got got him, and he's, like, fixing himself up in magic hour light in his backyard, (laughs) and he's like, this pro shit. This is real pro shit. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. This pro shit. I'm like, like, this is going to be one of the funnest interviews I've ever done. Such a fun guy really insightful a couple of the big highlights for me personally were 125 shots a day for 39 days I, it's that's insane so to and break we it down, just need to sh- let's break yeah, that down for ahead. people who don't understand what that is so a, a shot technically is a setting up of a shot a setup, lighting, yeah yes one setup you're lighting it you're orchestrating people moving you're thinking about a fast moving movie like this it's usually an ambulance going or you're in one shot and you're setting it up so it's not just the setting up of the shot, it's the shooting the shot, getting it, and then moving to the next shot, the next part of the script, whether it's in sequential order or not, based on the location that you're in and based on the availability of the light or whatever you're doing for any part of the day. Because this movie transitions over the course of a whole day. So like in the morning, you've got very bright sunlight. So I imagine that they're shooting a lot of those midday scenes across different places, like, um, you know, uh, as much as they can in the, in sort of middle of the day. And as it tails off to the end of the day, it's more of the final sort of sequences of the film that we get to see all unfold. And it can take hours to set up a shot. Yeah. With the light, with the camera position. I mean, that that can take hours it, for, it, for one. For one shot, it can take hours to get it all set up. And, you know, uh, sorry to like reference something totally random here, but like that's the crazy, you know, that was the crazy Christian Bale reaction that we talked about like a decade ago of him. Like (laughs) he waited for, he waited for a shot to get set up and then someone messed with the light mid take. And so they've been waiting this whole time and he Mm -hmm. lost it because he's like, I'm, I'm, what are we not professional? I'm here doing the shot. We've been waiting all this time. You've had all this time to tinker with the lights and now you're tinkering with it while I'm in the middle of this cart. Like, what are you doing? And so Michael Bay is able to achieve like 125 shots a day because he's shooting at such a rapid clip. There are so many edits. There are so many cuts. But the thing that just flabbergasts me is that it's not in a single place, even though it's in the ambulance, the box of the ambulance, mm-hmm. but the largest majority, he's traveling all over. There's so many exterior shots, interior shots, like shooting out to different locations where you can see the, you know, there's no, there's not a lot of digital trickery as far as like shooting out through the ambulance, seeing Jake, seeing Yaya driving. They're driving and they're being shot right. in the ambulance and they're cordoning off a, a, a part of LA at any given time. So 125 shots a day is five times as many as is average for any film. And the way that he can do it, and especially 39 day shoot, like this is not just, just over a month, just over a month. Um, it's absolute lunacy. I've just never heard of anything like it. And especially when you see it and you're like 39 days, 
like you hear about, you know, I think moonlight took like 20 days, you know what I mean? Like, and that's a very still and stable and beautifully orchestrated, quiet, small movie with massive emotional depth. It's not like shut down a bank in front of the LA financial (laughs) district, fire a million shots, explode cars, shut down a bridge, have 10 helicopters. It's, it's, it's nuts. It's nuts. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I just have to shout out the DP, Roberto DeAngelis, who obviously is is working, you know, is pulling off these shots. And I was looking at his uh, credits and he shot, it's interesting because he, he's the DP on Faces, Places and mm. Paper and Glue, which are the two JR documentaries. Faces, mm. Places is the one he did with Agnes Varda. Um, but he's a, a long, long time steady cam op for both Michael Bay and Michael Mann. Yes. So he's... A steady cam op on on the first episode of Tokyo Vice, which was directed by Michael Mann, which we will be discussing, and um, also on Six Underground, he was a steady cam op on Luck. He was a steady cam op on Thirteen Hours. So clearly, he knows Bay's working style. And I mean, it's it's perfect. I think they're a perfect pairing, um, DeAngelis and Bay, because it's got that chaotic, kinetic, super shiny lens, flary like low angle tracking shot, you know, going up kind of style. I mean, there's all these crazy shots that go through this bullet hole in the back of the ambulance and like, um, uh, you know, just just really wacky, fun stuff that you have to, it, it's like Bay leveling up his Bayness. Like you always <laughs> expect those bad boy shots where it's like the camera goes down low and comes around as like someone stepping out of a car. And it's like that times a million. There's a scene where, um, I think it's when Jake and Yaya are like talking for the first time in this like car showroom. And I was like, I mean, I don't know exactly how they shot it, if it was steady cam or like on a tracking or on a track, but like, I was like, there's so many damn shots of Jake, like just the camera, like circling around him and circling and like, you know, little short pans and, and trackings around Jake, which sort of, he's so chaotic and, and, and the camera adopts his chaos. Yeah. It's great. Really yeah, specific. there's there's wild editing and and it's just it's it's just like th- these two are working together so beautifully especially for this kind of movie. Yeah, he's this whole interview was a complete delight. He's absolutely sensational. I had so much fun talking to him and you know, he's aware of, you know, he's aware that he's having a dialogue with the American dream and I think some people have like, "Oh, you guys are prescribing that he's got this view." And it's like, "No, he's pretty aware of it." Like no, he, he's absolutely, he, he's aware absolutely of aware of it. And I think that that's the whole thing is like people dismiss him. Maybe he's just like a dope or whatever. And he does this and he's got this maximalist style, but he's aware. And, and, uh, you know, I think the proof is in the pudding in his, some of his best films that he's absolutely aware, you know, pain and gain is fantastic. And pain and gain is so good. It's like one, I I'm obsessed with that movie. It's my, it's, one of my, it's my, to this day, it's, it's the last time that Dwayne Johnson acted. Yeah. <laughs> he was acting as a character and now it's just Dwayne Johnson like doing yes. his persona and um and so yeah I, I I really have a big appreciation um a massive appreciation for that but he's just isn't he talking about Garrett Dillahunt mm-hmm. talking about loving to live and die in LA and heat I mean just I know it's it's just he's just the coolest and also you know Michael Mann is a guy that everyone associates, please excuse me, everyone associates with the use of professionals and 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 technical advisors mm-hmm. to, to the nth degree. And I think Michael Bay does yeah. the same thing, but he talks about it like your mate at the pub. 
He's like, bro shit. This is bro shit, dude. Right. Like, he's just like, he's just like, yeah, like I got the, like I got the seals I and they came up and I shot that shit. And I'm like, I like, I love this right. guy. And I'm, and I must say for all of the fans of this show and, and people who follow us and we appreciate you so much and thank you so much for all that you guys do and, and, and participate in the show. But there's this amazing thing that like, on One Hit Minute Productions, collectively we've interviewed, you know, Michael Mann and, you know, with Travis is Paul Thomas Anderson and, and, you know, we've had some amazing interviews. I knew that like my civilian friends, like I knew like that they might've been following what I was doing when I got like a thousand texts about interviewing Michael Bay. They're like, Michael Bay is my favorite <laughs> director. He's the best. The Rock, are you kidding me? I'm like... Wow, right, this is civilian right. cut through. I love it. Um, not just film geeks. Um, so yeah, it was really well, cool. and it's great to hear him talk. I mean, he's he's very much Michael Bay, the person that you think he is, but he's really sharp and really knowledgeable. He's self-aware, but he's also just like, Yeah, I'm good at what I do. I'm a conductor, you know? So I kind of appreciate that lack of like self-deprecating. Like the, he's not self-deprecating at all. No. no. But um, but he knows filmmaking really well. And just like, <laughs> this is kind of a funny thing, but he and I went to the same college, um, obviously him way before I did, but we have the same filmmaking mentor or, or film studies mentor, which is Janine Basinger at Wesleyan University. And I'm like, if he studied under Janine, he's he knows filmmaking really well. And she's a huge fan of his. And I, I remember hearing some like, interview with him or some some clip from something where he he said that like he learned about the kineticism of of um cinema and like visual storytelling when he took her musicals class so like he's steeped in you know film tradition film history in visual storytelling that is you know a long tradition of visual cinematic storytelling and i think that he also has innovated his own visual cinematic storytelling. He has his own stamp. Um, everybody knows a Michael Bay shot. Everybody can reference a Michael Bay shot. And, you know, he's he knows his shit and he's pro shit, you know what <laughs> I mean? So it's like he sees himself as professionally as these SWAT guys, these cops, these stunt people, and he's just totally upfront about it. So I, I appreciate that. It's very refreshing honesty, I have to say. It is. And also there's one element of his screaming, which I think has gone under the radar until he just said it in that interview when I was talking to him. It's like, his movies need safety almost right, more than right. any other movie. And you know what? If I've got someone screaming at me, stay back, stay back, don't move, don't move. Okay, go because you have a cue that you have to go for an explosion or an ambulance to come past or a, or a helicopter to fly within 10 feet of an actor that's hanging out of a, a, a 55 mile an hour ambulance streaming through the LA river. I don't mind a guy who's yelling. Right. <laughs> Just right. Yelling is the least of your worries, right? Like if I, you're Jake Gyllenhaal or Yaya and you're in that situation, you want your director to be, I want you to be in my ear, scream <laughs> at me, tell me what you need me to do. Tell me how to keep me safe. And he's like, this is the best helicopter pilot in the world. He's going to buzz you at about 10 feet. I'm like, right. Can't believe it. And so 
I think also there is a, you know, there is absolutely a method and a level of professionalism to his madness that, that I think is now undeniable. Like as far as I'm concerned, if it was ever in question, it shouldn't be because what he was able to do with this. And like I said, you know, we, we briefly touched that we felt a little bit like this was a COVID movie um, because it was being made during COVID, but it's one of those rare COVID movies that feels nothing like a COVID movie to me. Like it's like, no, it doesn't, it, it doesn't feel like LA is empty. It doesn't, you know, I mean, probably way more convenient for them to shoot at these times with lockdowns and other things that were going on, but it doesn't feel like an empty town. There was a, a terrible Liam Neeson movie called Blacklight that was shot in Australia um, during the <laughs> pandemic. And it looks like an aliens like have built a town that no one lives in and Liam Neeson <laughs> shooting a movie there. Like it's ghastly, but this is not like that. This is a special, this is a, this is just a, a treat on a treat on a treat. It's a, it's a very decadent dessert and I'm going back for a second helping for sure. Yep. See it big and loud and with a, a crowd of people that will hoot and holler and laugh at all the things that I laughed at. And, you know, Jake like rises to the Bayham. I feel like, you know, Michael Bay just manages to cast actors and just be like, do your thing. And then they bring the humor and the heart and the humanity to it. And, um, you know, Jill and Hall has a, has a couple all timer, uh, oh like punchlines and lines. Uh, he's, he's great. He's fantastic in this. He's really doing some great work. And mm-hmm. Garrett Dillahunt eating Cheetos <laughs> in the middle of a chase. The whole, the fingers. whole like he's cast just... was great. I, I need to like look at, like I loved the per, the woman who played Zaga. I was yes. like, who is this? I she's loved... amazing. They just, you know, they, he finds people who are just like interesting. It's like you could have someone totally boring in that tech role and you have someone who's like unexpected and interesting and funny and you know going back and forth with garrett and it's like that just gives it that extra layer yeah and she's just like don't touch my stuff and she's like busting his balls the whole time it's just great so there's an emphatic miami nice recommendation for ambulance our review i knew that you guys would want to hear this so we'll make sure that you're hearing it pretty much as soon as we record it but look thank you so much for always following what we do we have another great episode coming up katie i have a massive what i haven't told you yet we have a massive three voice memo call in from a fan who's been deep diving on what the original ending of miami vice was and oh my has, God. has been doing internet research about what it potentially was and has oh like, Oh my God. He sent me a dossier, which I'm going to send you of like, a dossier, like a, like a dossier level email of like, this is I have this, always this is wanted that. to receive a dossier. Oh my God. Like this is some deep oh undercover shit, right? This is sophisticated yes. counter intel. So we have some, yes. so we have some ideas about that, including like the fact that Miami Vice was like almost like James Bondish in its construction, that like Neptune may have been part of some of the chaos that was unfolding. Lots of cool stuff. Had some really good voice memos. We'll introduce our great source on that as well as everything that in one of our upcoming episodes. We've got some other things on the board, but we'll be back in Miami Nice to talk Tokyo Nice, which I've seen five episodes of. Yes, Tokyo Vice, baby. Excited to talk about Tokyo Vice. Michael Mann. I'm super stoked. First directing of something in years since Black Hat. So we've got our updates on Black Hat, our uh, our Black Hat Hacker Cut streaming coming soon. We've got Tokyo Nights. We've got more Miami Nights. But this has been a special episode on Amy. We'll catch you guys in another episode of Miami Nights very soon. Peace out.
Hi, this is Blake Howard, host and producer of One Heat Minute Productions podcast. We dive into the great and underappreciated cinematic works, often one minute or one scene at a time. Our crew of guests are some of the most wonderful filmmakers, writers, authors, and critics ever assembled. Our shows include One Heat Minute, Josie and the Podcats, All the President's Minutes, Increment Vice, and right now, Zodiac Chronicle. Check out oneheatminute.com or find us wherever you get your podcasts.